Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you today from our Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we're going to be chatting with our special guests. We'll get to hear from them in just a moment. Before we jump into the show, I always like to give some announcements and just want to say the past couple of weeks was fantastic for me. I was able to unplug from work. You know, we always talk about work-life balance. And I think, you know, my mindset on this is we have that reversed. It should be life-work balance. We should put life before work. So I was able to get up to one of the most beautiful parts of America and drive through Montana and Wyoming and Idaho and Utah, ran the Glacier Park uh, half marathon which was fantastic and so scenic, and then spent about a week or so in Yellowstone National Park um, and just was out in the beauty and didn't look at my phone uh, unless it was to play a game, right? I didn't want to respond to emails if I didn't have to. And it just helps us remember, uh, some of us are old enough, you can see the gray in my beard, of life before cell phones uh, when you didn't have to have a phone with you and respond to a tweet or an Instagram or a an email at all hours and all times of day uh, when actually you would go home from work and you were home from work. So it was nice to unplug. And, and I just encourage everybody to put life first. Uh, remember, have life work balance. And I think it actually helps us perform better when we do spend our time and dedicate it to work. Also a reminder, if you're listening, we are live, of course, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, as well as internet radio. Uh, so drop a note in the comments. Let us know where you're joining us from. We always like to know what our reach is and, and where we're hitting people from. Also a reminder that these shows are worth a PDU, right? We go an hour. We're talking project management related concepts. If you need to keep your professional certifications going, uh, listen to these shows. We have 106 of them after, after this one's over. That's a lot of PDUs to help you get your certifications. And the best part of all is we're talking to some really amazing leaders from around the world in our industry. So it's not just a PDU grab, it's it's really helpful, right? I mean, there's a lot of fantastic content we've had over the years with some really amazing guests. And talking about amazing guests, I'm super excited to have us to, uh, with us today, joining us from Poland, Konstantin Riebel, and joining us from Germany, Robert Brisa. Hello, Konstantin and Robert. Hi there. Hi. Robert, Hello. if you want to kind of just take a moment and introduce yourself to everybody, let people know a little bit about who you are. Absolutely. Thanks. I'm uh, really pleased to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'm Robert. I'm a coach um, and consultant for now uh, over 20 years. My wife, son, and I like to do a lot of sports. Uh, you mentioned uh, marathon, half marathon, actually. I've done uh, 10 times now the uh, inline skate marathon in Berlin, full marathon uh, with inline skates. And I love skating and doing a lot of sports. Business-wise, um, I'm the owner of Lean Sherpas, small consulting company specialized on agile software development for large organizations, doing it lean and agile, helping companies reach higher goals. I've been doing this now, as I mentioned, for 20 years. I've been working with uh, startups that are becoming bigger and bigger, and also with uh, big organization like SAP and BMW. And um, I just love um, helping organization become more adaptive and lean and providing more for the customers so much to me and I would like to pass over to Constantin. Thank you, Robert. So yes, I'm Constantin Riebel. 
also usually live in Germany, but currently in Poland, work a lot together with Robert. And I started my career around 2005 uh, in software and hardware development. And then at some point, just focused on software development, was a software architect for some time, project manager, and then learned about uh, agility and uh, being agile and uh, started my journey into the, into this direction. And uh, like Robert already mentioned, um, what we're trying to do is to help organizations which are maybe stuck in, in traditional setups and would like to go further and be more flexible and adaptive to the environment in which they are in. Or uh, usually startups that uh, grow and maybe grow too fast and get issues because of the growth and get stuck in there. And uh, we help those companies to get going again, to, to leverage the human potentials that there are, to not waste it, to uh, leverage really, to use it so that you can actually create uh, environments where people have fun working and enjoy uh, the work and delivering great products to their customers. That's fantastic. Thank you both uh, for introducing yourselves. And, and Robert, so nice to hear you're a, a fellow marathoner, half marathon, although you're cheating, you're using wheels, so it's not... So, <laughs> uh, I, I used to, when I was much younger, used to to be on the skates and, and would do some long distances with those. And I, w I wish I could have the balance to continue to do that. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. So you had mentioned uh, Lean Sherpas. I love that name. Fantastic name. Can you Thanks. just give us the history on that, right? How did that all happen? What was the birth of Lean Sherpas? Yeah. So uh, again, I think the history of Lean Sherpa started already like 10 or 15 years ago when I became a freelancer and then uh, decided actually to run as a company and not just a single person and, and teamed up with, um, you know, people that I admired, like uh, recently with Constantine, had a couple of employees uh, over the past years. And I was first named like uh, the Breeze company and uh, later tried to find a name that much more provides uh, an understanding what are we trying to, to do. And uh, um, I was at the Scrum Gathering in, uh, in Singapore where I, where I heard a very uh, interesting and amazing talk, uh, but, but from one of, or actually the first climber from Singapore of the Mount Everest. And he shared a lot of insights and he even wrote a book uh, about what managers can learn from hikers uh, like himself and how uh, hiking teams actually work. And I realized, I, I saw a lot of parallels and I saw that actually, you know, when we go out there and help our customers who have really challenging goals, in, uh, uh, like Constantine men, uh, mentioned, to create a nice environment, but also increase productivity, uh, productivity and uh, customer value, it's them who have to do the work and to do the hard, the, 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 you know, the, the sweat. And the, but it helps if you have people around who can help you navigate the hard terrain, tells you what experiments might be helpful and which might not be helpful, give you some guides in the right direction, who have the experience of having done this, um, having worked with many other climbers and people who have the same kind of goal uh, or a similar kind of goal. And I thought, you know, that's what we basically do day to day. So um, we are like the Sherpas from Nepal, who are basically the, the, the guiders uh, on this path and, um, and help companies become more uh, adaptive, more lean, more productive, and still, uh, uh, and at the same time, create a nicer environment where people excel and love to work. Yeah, that's a, a great story. And, and you, you think back of 
same for us, right? The PMO squad, right? My company, right? It's the same concept of we're, we're a small squad that comes in to help you get your PMO better, right? And when you start thinking of different connotations for names, uh, to be able to relate it so that every, like everybody knows what a Sherpa does, right? And you're saying, right. man, they're helping you climb that mountain, right? You're trying to climb up Everest. You need a Sherpa with you. Well, I'm, exactly. going, I'm going through a lean or agile journey and look, you're going to be the company that's going to come help me do that. So it's it, very easy to understand. And I, I think a, a great choice of name by you guys. That's fantastic. So let's dig in a little bit. Maybe Constantine, if you can give your perspective. So what does lean Sherpas do, right? I mean, it, it conceptually, you get it, right? Hey, you're a company that's helping with agile and, and lean concepts, but what does that mean, right? For somebody that's listening? Cause you know, there's several companies out there that kind of do what you do. Certainly you guys are unique, uh, but what makes you unique, right? What is it about you? That's, that's your thing. What we haven't uh, mentioned yet is that Robert and I are certified large scale scrum trainers, which uh, currently there are only 23 in the whole world. So we're focusing on, and uh, large-scale Scrum as such is um, focuses on uh, removing complexity from the organization, organizational complexity, especially, in order to, well, remove the whole fat of the organization in order to get going again, to be able to move again. And uh, this is actually exactly what we are doing. Um, we, when we come in or when um, customers ask us to help them, the first thing we do is we usually observe um, how the company is working right now for a little bit. And then um, we together discover and teach, the, uh, teach them usually how, or we teach them about organizational dynamics. And we also uh, teach them about systems thinking. Um, and this is very important to understand uh, for everyone, for all the leaders, especially in the companies, that uh, the organization as such is a whole system with many variables that change all the time. And you need to create structures uh, in companies that will remove the wastes and uh, empower the people in the teams to actually be able to deliver. So we focus in the first step of analyzing the current structures, uh, working together with the decision makers in those companies to um, realize where the most pain points are in, the, in a dynamic system. To f we find out root causes, usually several of, of the current issues. And then we start to descale the complexity. The organizational complexity is very important, not just uh, on the technical product level, uh, really organizational structure, uh, uh, or the complexity on the organizational structure. So that's interesting, right? The When, when we hear large scale, at least me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the outlier in this, but I hear large scale and I hear agile, right? My mind usually goes towards safe, right? Thinking... Large scale. So either of you guys have any thoughts on, you know, the, the comparisons between large scale scrum and, and safe and, and why one would be, you know, a better choice than the other? It really starts with the question, what is it that you want to optimize for? So if you want to optimize something, it really absolutely doesn't matter what it is that you want to optimize. You need to figure out what is your optimization goal. Large-scale Scrum is truly designed to create an organization which is adaptive, truly adaptive to the maximum level possible. If that is the goal of the company, or and uh, I mean the goal is would not be to be just adaptive. Uh, it's a means a means to an end, um, and the end could be uh, we um, need to be adaptive in order to be able to deliver better products to our customers, learn from the customers, and enhance the products further in order to stay in the market, for example, right? That could be, that could be the story. So organizations who would like to optimize for really high adaptivity or adaptability, we strongly suggest to uh, look at least at less and 
then figure out what is their optimization goal. What is their overall optimization goal in order to start working with them? And as soon as we discover the optimization goal, we can look at which parts of the organizations should be changed how. As far as I'm concerned or informed, um, SAFE has slightly different optimization goals, and uh, hence there are different there are those different uh, frameworks. Maybe Robert, you can add some some more to that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the way I like to summarize it is that I see personally safe, and I've been, you know, I, I had the, the chance actually to implement that a couple of times, um, and I see the way of scaling Scrum. While less, even though it's often mentioned in the same sentence with other um, scaling frameworks. As Constantine mentioned before, we see it as a descaling framework, mm. meaning instead of uh, doing multiple team scrum, we try to do uh, like having, sorry, instead of having multiple scrum teams, we want to do multiple team scrum, saying you don't have do scrum on the team level and then you scale uh, on top and try to manage somehow the, the different Scrum teams so that you can provide a product increment uh, every couple of uh, sprints by creating a, like a, a PI in, in SAFE and so on. Unless the whole idea is how would Scrum would look like if it would not be one team, but many in a big organization. Uh, so still, trying to be as close as possible to Scrum uh, as a whole construct, not on, only on team level. Um, so we have one product owner, we have one product backlog, uh, no matter how many teams are involved, because that's how it is in Scrum. There is an important purpose why there is only one product uh, owner and one product backlog to optimize for the one thing or the one the things that are so important and to create a priority on the product level and not on team level. So those are things that differentiate less for almost all the other scaling frameworks because it looks like how to create the construct of like the, the whole uh, idea and essence of Scrum and at the same time, considering the fact that we are not talking about a team, but a whole organization. So unless um, in, in uh, comparisons to Scrum, there is a clear definition of a manager and what a manager can and should do in an agile organization, while Scrum doesn't have that for obvious reasons, because it's just you know a very small team that doesn't need manager to be self-organized. Yeah, it's certainly interesting concept in our industry. And I, I remember back when we first connected, I'd say probably a week before we connected, one of our clients had reached out and said, hey, do we have anybody that is familiar with less? And I was like, what in the world is less? I've never heard of this before. <laughs> and then about a week later, I connected with you guys and, and you were talking about less. And I'm like, man, this is coincidence of the world, right? Yeah. So you had mentioned there's only 23 of you certified in the world, which is amazing, right? For you guys to have that certification. Wh where does that come from, right? So a lot of the Agile stuff comes from Scrum Alliance or Agile Alliance or, or different PMI with the project management certifications. What, like, where do we go to learn more about this, right? I mean, because again, it's people are familiar with Scrum, but maybe not less right? Maybe not the large scale scrum. So how do we, where can we go to learn more about it? And what's kind of that governing body that's out there? So uh, LESS uh, was actually created by uh, Craig Lahman and Bas Woder. Craig has been in the agile uh, movement, I think, from the first days. As far as I remember, he once said that he was uh, invited to the agile manifesto, to the uh, Utah um, uh, gathering. He 
was just not able to make it because he was in Europe, I think, at that time. Um, but he has a deep history and um, um, in in um, um, agile, and he uh, was invited by Bas Wode, who at that time was at Nokia uh, Systems, and was looking at ways of really doing Scrum on uh, on on a higher level, on organization, and not on team level. And uh, he teamed up with uh, uh, with Craig, and uh, both of them created, um, you know, did a lot of experiments on uh, what things would work in a large organization and what might, what, what, what don't work and uh, documented this in a really thick book uh, that was published 2011. Um, and actually two years before they also documented uh, some very important uh, ideas and principles of how to do agile and lean um, at large. With those two books, they created like um, um, the whole knowledge that there is actually for uh, less. That also then they created the size less.works where you can find all this information, many things from the book already. Uh, is published on the site less.works. And they realize still that they have to create even a third book, calling it Large Scale Scrum, that, um, that, that gives people the real understanding of how to implement less in large organization and um, uh, what are guides that are experiments that have been proven to uh, be successful over and over I think it's fantastic, right? I'm always trying to have continuous learning in in my mindset, right? To make sure I'm going out and understanding more about it. So for those, as Robert just shared with us, right? Less.works, there's your website to be able to go out there and, and capture more information to be able to get some more understanding on that. It's fantastic. You know, one of the things, Constantine, that, you know, we hear from you, you come into the equation here along the way, of course, and you work for large company, right? And you weren't necessarily doing this type of work, but how did you get plugged into all of this? Well, uh, it's uh, probably not a, not a secret. I work for BMW since started, joined there in 2010, always in the, uh, in the field of uh, driver assistance systems and then uh, autonomous driving. And at some point we uh, considered that consider we realized that there needs to be a there needs to be a change and um, especially I was asking myself how to deal with the complexity that we were that we were facing at that time and at this point I learned about less and some some months later some uh, well not some many uh, decision workshops uh, we came to the conclusion that we would uh, adopt less at BMW Autonomous Driving, and this is where um, we started. My co-author and I, uh, co the co-author would be uh, Michael Mai. Uh, we together published a, a case study on that, a really in-depth case study. Um, whoever is interested uh, can read more about it, provide the link, because it would be now a little bit uh, unfair to just scratch the surface here. <laughs> You know, a lot of times we think about big companies not being agile, right? Just because they're so yes. big and it's so hard to move um, in one direction. So how does that work at, at a large company like BMW? Well, we start, we need to start where I actually began talking today at the organizational structure. In other words, we need to remove silos. We, uh, we need to break them up, uh, create uh, opportunities for people to collaborate. We need to create the conditions for people to actually work together. So especially if um, I like this phrase uh, very much, if an individual is worth uh, is uh, if an individual is worse off collaborating with someone, then they will never collaborate. So you need to create conditions that they actually benefit from it individually. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's like on one level. Then, of course, uh, on the other level, from looking from the product perspective, you need to have clear, um, a clearly prioritized list of work that you want to do so that uh, by having this list, um, which we uh, have a name for, of course, the product backlog, that people can use it to focus on it and actually start delivering all of that. And yes, we did it at really not just large scale, we did it at a really huge large scale at BMW Autonomous Driving. You know, it's something that, that I like about uh, what you guys do. I, I'm always in search of simplicity, right? Trying to make things very easy to understand. And and a, a phrase came up uh, with you guys of more with less, right? Robert, how do w- explain that a little bit, right? To help us understand the, that concept. The the idea is that um, exactly um, we, we believe, as constantly said, that a lot of complexity within Um, organization is created because we thought that, you know, by working, uh, by by having much more complex work and the complexity within organization or within the work gets higher and higher, we also need to create more complex organization. But I think uh, the reality shows that you don't have to, and it's easier actually uh, to react in and and to and and you are more flexible and adaptive uh, if you actually uh, get rid of complexity. So uh, and and uh, this is basically what Scrum does on team level. You we uh, encourage people to take more responsibility by removing the number of roles. We only have uh, three roles in Scrum, and uh, by that, we encourage people to take the whole responsibility. There is only developer uh, in, like product developer in Scrum. Uh, There is no um, engineer, there is no tester, there is no uh, designer and so on. So uh, the idea is by removing roles, we create more more ownership by removing processes and fixed processes that are given. We create more ownership of the processes from the people that are doing the work. And also by removing artifacts like, you know, those those, uh, descriptions of requirements documents that describe how something should be implemented and so on. Uh, But allowing developers to talk directly with customers, we create a better understanding of what actually is needed, being able to deliver that. So uh, we believe the more we look for, like the more we ask the question, do we need this artifact, this process, this role, or w- would we actually be better off? And in most of the time, the, the, the second is true. The better are we off? Like just having always this question, um, how does it help us uh, to, to have more roles, more uh, artifacts, more processes? Or how can we simplify that? So I would so- like to add to this, if, uh, if, if I may. Yeah, of course. Um, like uh, Robert mentioned at the beginning, the, with trying to remove um, the complexity and uh, organizations became complex. We are now in the world, not just only now, already for decades, in the world of uh, complex uh, software-based products, which the, where the creation of those products is non-deterministic. If you try to build the same product again, you will go different ways. You will never do exactly the same things like when you build it the first time. So the work, uh, the nature of the work is not deterministic. So we cannot, we cannot use approaches which worked in a deterministic world or for deterministic product development in a non-deterministic product development. It doesn't work. And whenever uh, like companies uh, started growing in this direction, and they faced problems. 
what usually happened was that um, quick fixes were applied. Like, for example, the product development uh, group couldn't manage the work, so people introduced uh, a split the whole product development group into maybe components, the components that the software was built of, right? Um, then they faced integration issues, then they installed um, uh, an integration team maybe or an integration department. Then they faced quality issues, then they installed integration uh, department or, in, uh, sorry, quality assurance department or quality assurance team and so on and so on. So the pattern is like for every problem, there is a manager or department or a team created, which leads to actually a sequential life cycle. Mm -hmm. And a sequential life cycle is the next part uh, that is that adds complexity in a non-deterministic development environment. So therefore, you have to remove all of this and solve it in simpler ways by enabling people to learn more, to broaden their skills, and uh, to be able to deliver uh, and to, to be and to enable them to deliver on a different level. Where the term software craftsmanship and technical excellence as terms really come in. So we spoke a lot about of uh, a lot about organizational structures, and yes, this is a very important point, and probably the most difficult uh, to start at all. And then, as the next part, uh, what we see is uh, technical excellence and software craftsmanship in organizations, where in organizations where um, there was all of this complexity. Usually, the uh, the people in those organizations are at the lower level of technical excellence and software craftsmanship, and they need to learn all of this in order to actually, you know, in order to actually use the the flexibility of the organizational structure that was created before that we created at the beginning. Yeah. So this is, <clears throat> I think, one of the challenges that I see with with organizations as we go in to work with them is they have an existing organizational structure, right? right. They have development right. teams, they have a QA yeah. team, there's yeah. an integration team, there's right. there's a design team, uh, there's a product team, all of those exist. And they call themselves Scrum. Right. So exactly. their starting point is wrong. Right. So how do you get them in line with what Scrum's supposed to be, because now you're not just dealing with improving their Scrum capabilities, but it's also organizational change you're making, right? I, I would imagine you see this all the time, right, when you're working with organizations. Absolutely. And I think, as you mentioned, so I think one of the biggest challenges is that people think they know Scrum because they have been doing Scrum since five years or 10 years or even longer, right? So they, they think that Scrum is about having, uh, you know, these three roles and having a sprint planning and having a, a daily and doing every sprint, a sprint review that usually is called demo and it's just a development team uh, uh, showing their team product owner what they have been working on the last uh, two weeks or so on. So uh, one of the biggest thing is really um, discuss and really have a better understanding about Scrum, what Scrum actually is, and that what most of teams are doing in big organization has nothing to do with Scrum. Because the moment that you are doing a sprint review without a customer, you don't do Scrum. In a sprint review, for example, it's one of the biggest thing is like to understand how the whole product is used and actually how it works and, and uh, how do we need to adapt it? What new product backlog items do we have to create so that we uh, basically are on the right track? So in less, uh, and Constantine can tell us about that, at BMW, every two weeks, Someone got in the car and got to experience the whole product, the software, 
the self-driving, the autonomous driving software every two weeks and, and see how things are going, what are the new features and so on. Not like in a product increment every three months or so. We want to learn every two weeks and uh, with actual customers. Um, and, and so this is one of the biggest things that we are trying to focus on when we teach less. And actually less is a very big amount of knowledge. So we, we do a three-day training where, you know, the Scrum is part of it, but also as um, Constantine mentioned, we talked about the system and system thinking. We try to see the whole organization as a whole and we allow managers and uh, people uh, at all levels who are uh, engaged in this training to understand for themselves the implications of having uh, the current organizational structure. And hopefully by the end of the course, they have a better understanding that the current organizational structure might be in line with producing the outcomes that the current organization does, but not in line with the goal of adaptability and the learning organization. So they need to change some of the underlying structure uh, of the organization in order to improve, to get rid of the, the pains that are at the moment and to uh, improve if they want to become a learning organization, an adaptive organization. So for me, right, I, I get confusion, right? There's agile, there's scrum, there's less, there's design thinking, there's lean, there's all of these different concepts. I need a Sherpa, right? I, I need somebody that can help me understand the different concepts to be sure we're doing that, right? Because as you were describing a lot of that and the customer involvement, I'm saying my brain immediately goes, okay, design thinking. Right. I, I need to make sure that my design is inclusive of the customer. But as you're describing that, you're making sure you're now beyond design and you're getting right. what has been created is is with the customer. And 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 of course the lean then brings in the more with less, right? You're you're eliminating waste and you're and you're working within lean. So there's so much there to work through. I would imagine, again, that's why you exist as a company, to be able to help companies work through that confusion to know what to do is best for them. Is that really trying to summarize all of what Lean Sherpas is, is there for to help companies with? Absolutely, absolutely. And our goal is not to push less or any other framework in a company. Our goal is basically to understand or and, and even help uh, organization to understand how they got to this organizational structure, um, not necessarily the, the, you know, the, the past and so on, but actually how this organizational structure, the, uh, and also the, the, um, the, uh, the technical excellence that they use and so on produces the current result. And we, we like to, uh, help them reflect on really what they're trying to optimize for, like constantly mentioned before, and then be there with them to help them uh, achieve these goals to become, um, you know, more in line with their optimization goals, which usually nowadays, most of the time is really uh, adaptability being because the market is changing so fast. So being able to improve the skills within the organization to change direction at a very, very low cost, because that's what makes organization successful. You look like Netflix, how they were able to reinvent themselves over time from a, a DVD mailing company uh, to a streaming company, to uh, 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 TV show producers and uh, award-winning producer company, right? So, uh, and I think you need you need a culture and you need an organizational design um, and uh, uh, technical excellence that is in line with with that, and that's what we are helping or, uh, organizations do. And talking about culture. Robert just mentioned, culture follows structure. So we need to create structures first 
that will then lead to the culture that we actually want in the organizations. That makes me think back to, geez, this is probably three years or so ago, we had a guest on from American Express and they went through a safe journey to bring large-scale agile right to their to their organization and they had given it a special project name and and you know they had to go implement the, the trains and you know do all the different elements of, of safe but it was it was the company rallied around this project to go make it happen so constantine with your uh, practical experience with bmw was it similar right did, did bmw have a project or, or how did you get to the point where you were going to implement these concepts to make it be accepted, right? Because identifying is one thing, but implementation and acceptance, of course, is another thing. Yes, that's a very important point. So first step in, uh, so we, unless we have uh, different less guides and uh, that usually work in companies. And um, one of the less guides is getting started. And step zero is educate everyone. So we need to create we need to create ownership in the organizations of the change. They need to own the change. They are we discourage from having any change projects. We encourage the people who will be then part of the of this uh, new uh, organizational setup to make the change themselves. Start with a uh, rather smaller setup, get it to run, and grow it uh, later on. This is the usual approach, and step uh, step zero is educate everyone, and then uh, continue with the next changes. This is exactly what we did at, uh, at BMW Autonomous Driving. Uh, we uh, started with the with the people who were part of the autonomous driving department. Of course, those people uh, spent a significant amount of time on uh, learning about agile approaches, about less, about other frameworks as well, of course, and evaluating all of this. And then we started implementing it. And those people who were doing all this uh, work up front, those were people from all hierarchy levels that existed at that time. This was like true collaboration that I that I uh, that I experienced in my life. That across all hierarchy levels, there was a high degree of collaboration to actually get to a decision what will be what will be the next steps that we will do, and then we started the implementation. And after some time, after some time, those people who were involved at the beginning just joined. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the organization as scrum masters or as developers or as uh, line managers and so, continue to work there on the product development so uh, another question for and, and, sorry, and after that of course continuous improvement sure going back to the i guess the wrong implementation of scrum question that i brought up earlier with robert in the project management world right? Project managers don't exist in Scrum. Yet, so many companies still have project managers who have implemented Scrum. So how do you reconcile that? And did BMW have project managers previously and did they go away with Scrum or did they, uh, with less, or did they stay intact? They did go away with less adoption at autonomous driving. They were there before, of course. Their role is such was dissolved but the people stayed of course because mm-hmm. we still need the skills and their experience it's just that um, another less guide role and salary uh, sorry job and salary safety but no role safety uh, you need to offer that in order to make uh, to start the change and to to make the change this is exactly what we did uh, there was no uh, role safety for anyone well, that was, of course, job and uh, salary safety. This way, yes, it was really hard for people to to disidentify themselves from their role. Really painful for some people. And it requires a lot of one-to-one work in order to um, work through this with people. 
They need to they make need... them realize that they are a person and not this role. They needed a Sherpa, right? They, they, that's what yeah, they needed. exactly. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, that's that's uh, another uh, reason why we are uh, often guided in because um, I, I think one of the, like, it's e much easier to learn a new concept than to unlearn something, right? Mm -hmm. There is a very nice uh, video about uh, a bicycle where um, they change basically the way how uh, it goes in the in, in, in the direction, uh, and it takes you so much time basically to manage to to ride this bar bicycle, because the unlearning part is so uh, uh, so much difficult than learning part, um, and having someone where that that constantly makes you understand that you are still like with your old, old, uh, old uh, thinking and judging things based on your past experience uh, in a, a different maybe type of environment, it's, it's extremely valuable. And then to uh, have the, the possibility to reflect on your own and to understand that um, actually... Uh, there's, you know, there's so much more uh, success by having self-organized teams than managed teams, and um, and and really stepping out, letting the team do the work and the self-organization, which is very hard uh, um, at the beginning, but once you see the success and the result, uh, it gets hopefully better and better. You know, I, the there's only 23 of you guys that are certified around the world, right? So I get that. And you're both in Europe. Does Lean Sherpas work only within Europe or, or do you serve clients around the globe? I mean, what's your reach? What's, how do you, how do people connect with you that are outside your locality? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously working with uh, um, big international clients, most of our clients have sites all over the world. I've been working a lot with uh, SAP in uh, Europe, but also in the States, in uh, Newtown Square, in uh, New York, uh, or Palo Alto. And uh, I, um, yeah, so we, we not only work with clients all over the world, but uh, also try to do trainings um, even on uh, locations outside of the, uh, the, the Europe was obviously very difficult the last two years. I even tried uh, actually to organize something in Chicago last year, uh, but it was not really possible. I think also Miami was on the uh, on the schedule, but got canceled with COVID. Uh, but we are looking forward actually to travel more uh, at the end of uh, like the, let's see how how this this year will go. But as soon as the COVID restrictions are better um we would love to to travel more and also come to the us um more often fantastic well we are coming up on on our hour here it's certainly been educational for me and i'm, I'm sure the listeners as well to learn more about less um, and large-scale scrum and true scrum and, and and some of those principles as well as the practical application of it right that's that's always the best to be able to see where it actually has been implemented and worked um, so I want to give you guys a, an opportunity to say, hey, how do how do folks get in touch with you? Is there any events coming up? And you mentioned different trainings that you're looking forward to. Is there anything that you want to be able to uh, discuss that maybe you haven't had a chance to get to yet? Yeah, from my side, um, very happy to 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 be invited here. Uh, you can always get in touch over LinkedIn uh, or uh, just on leansherpas.com. Uh, you can find events, um, and uh, even though we might not be, uh, we might be restricted with traveling, we are doing online courses. We uh, I regularly do uh, late evening online courses here in Europe, so they are uh, able to be attended from uh, East Coast or West Coast uh, US. Um, I've done, I think. Three months ago, the last one with many people from the U.S. and I'm happy to, um, yeah, to 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 have more people who want to learn about less at at my less um, 
training course. And I'm thinking the same for Constantine. Yeah, exactly. The same for me. So you can reach me via um, LinkedIn easily. Always uh, reply there. And uh, yes, uh, I think we already had the um, Lean Sherpas events uh, link pasted here that uh, where you can find uh, our scheduled uh, courses. But of course, we can also, uh, based on requests, we can create new ones specifically for uh, people maybe who uh, want specifically one in English if it's not scheduled uh, or at a specific time. We can also do that, yes. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Constantine and uh, Robert. I really appreciate you guys joining us today and sharing all of your experiences and knowledge. Uh, as I mentioned, it's been really informative for me, and I, I'm sure it has been for others as well. Um, of course, thank you to our listeners as well, right? Without listeners, we don't have a show. So we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, be sure to visit the PMO squad uh, to check out the podcast page. We have all 106 episodes listed out there. Well, this is 106, so this one will be out there next week. Um, and then also the schedule for all of our upcoming shows. We have a fantastic list of guests coming up. Uh, Melissa McDonald will be joining us. She's the smart PM, smart sheet expert. Mate Severa, uh, TrackVIA and PMI will be joining us to discuss the citizen developer program. Uh, Dr. Robert Joslin will be joining us. Keyed in uh, will be joining us to talk about their software. Chris Sprague and a group from the Project Management Global Alliance uh, will be joining to talk about the work they're doing in the healthcare industry. Sanjeev Augustine and others as well. And of course, if anybody knows Fabio Zafishnini, and I probably mispronounced that name wrong, but he's uh, in Italy. He's my go-to guest that before this year's over, I need to get him on the show. Uh, so I'm working behind the scenes to make that happen. So for all those folks out there who know Fabio, please uh, make an introduction and help me get connected with him. A reminder, again, these shows are live, but we record them. So please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, whatever your platform of choice may be. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Reach out to them on those websites and you can learn more about what they can provide to help you deliver projects within your organization. Well, that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time. I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.